So how many of you are just saying, man, I'm just ready to be rid of last year? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. How many, I'm just so excited about the new year. Awesome. How many of you got married last year? Yeah. How many of you stopped being married last year? How many of you want to be married this year? Well, all righty then. I saw some hands go up for all three. That's a little weird. All right. Hey, you know, uh, I quit playing golf years ago, uh, primarily because it was for my own mental health. Uh, and, I mean, at some point when you're a pastor, you, you got to stop talking like that when you hit a golf ball that bad. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just not good. You go to, I mean, I'd only play golf every few years, and I'd show up at a tournament. And let me just tell you, I can hit a golf ball a mile. There's just no telling where it's going, you know? And like everything in life, I swing with all I've got. You know, and I mean, it's really people on like every fairway around me is just duck and cover. And so, you know, I've hung those things. I gave my clubs away. I'm done, you know. And uh, but here's what I love about golf. What, back years ago, I, I went, I was playing this men's golf tournament for a, for a church and I was speaking there. And so I kind of got, it, it was kind of, you got to go play the golf tournament. So I get up there and I'm paired with the first flight. I get up and I do what all golfers do who don't have a clue what they're doing. You know, I lay the club down and address it and wiggle my hind parts, you know, and try to get ready to make sure everything knows what's doing right. And I reared back and I hit that ball so hard. I'm telling you, I crushed it. The only problem was it hit the women's tee marker and came right back at me. And I ducked before it hit me and it went back and hit somebody standing behind me. And when I got done, I laughed so hard because the guy it hit was the pastor of the church I was there to preach at. And he didn't think it was funny. He really didn't help me with the honorarium at all, but it was, it was, it was awesome at the moment. You know what's great about golf is that every now and then you get a mulligan, right? Like I've played, I've, I've pl played before in Brian and Shane's uh, uh, golf tournament, and you can actually buy mulligans when you go to a tournament. Y'all know that, right? And you know, I would be willing to say that's a lot of the money y'all raise with people buying mulligans. How much is a mulligan? Like 50 bucks? Yeah, so let me just say to you, it's out of my pay grade to be able to buy as many as I need. But here's the great thing about a new year. It's like you get a mulligan on life. It's like, okay, new year, new me, away I go. And like, how many of you went to the gym this year but haven't been in a month? Already, you've already been to the gym, anybody? Man, I'm telling, yeah, yeah, did you get new Nikes and a whole new suit because you thought that'd make you run faster and harder? It didn't, did it? I know. And, but I've seen people out walking. And have you ever noticed like the aggressive walkers? You know, they've got the headband on, you know, and they got like the socks that are up to your knees, you know, the compression socks. And they, they're wearing like, I don't know what those shorts are they wear, but, uh, but they got these massive ear things going and they're walking like this. And have you ever noticed that the longer they walk, the more angry they get? And I, seriously, they're frightening in Norcross when I drive through there. It's like, if I hit them, I'm going down. And, and so for all of you, Welcome to a new year. A new year gives us an opportunity to start over. It gives us a fresh start. And like most people, uh, we are always kind of inclined to look at a, a fresh new beginning in a new year. But for some of us, we see it differently. Some of us, we, we, we're just exhausted. We're exhausted from the holidays. We're, we're anxiety riddled. We're frustrated. We're, uh, we're tired. We're we're just kind of going into a new year, and we need a more balanced, intentional, peace-filled, joy-filled life. And over the course of January, in this series, Fresh Start, I want to give you some tools that I genuinely think can help you live a more balanced, joy-filled life. And, and I, don't think it's, I don't think it's overly complicated, but I do think we complicate it if we're not careful. And so if you're like me and you get all geeked up about annual goals and whatnot, I've got goals for different categories in my life. You know, I've got goals, for, you know, spiritually and physically and financially and developmentally and familially. And I got all these goals and then I transport them into months and I transport them into weeks and then I move them into weeks into days. And, you know, I'm just a geek about stuff like that. Any of y'all like me on that kind of deal? Any of you think that I'm crazy? Good. Well, welcome home. Uh, 
But I genuinely believe that we can attain, whether you're into goals and, and these processes of trying to move forward in an intentional fashion, or whether or not you're simply looking to get your life where it's a little less hectic, a little better balanced, and a little more on track. I believe what, what we want to unpack for you can really do that. And there's some tools I'll tell you about later in the sermon again, but uh, each weekday we have two tools for you. One is a weekday podcast, about five minutes a day, and through this series it will unpack over the next 21 days, it will unpack each chapter of the Gospel of John, just kind of the highlight, about five minutes each weekday. It's at weekdaypodcast.com. And then a brand new tool we roll out tomorrow entitled A Weekday Meditation. It's about six minutes of guided prayer and meditation. And I have become the biggest believer that when we introduce a, a short season of meditation in our life, that God honors that in a very unique and special way. And so uh, we want to offer those tools for you as well as you'll see a link uh, each morning for a 21-day reading plan that you have that's there for you and for free. And so I hope that you'll jump on board and be a part of, of letting this fresh start take over in your life because I think there are five things that we need to deal with for us to have a fresh start. The first one is I think we need to settle who Jesus is. I really do believe that uh, in a world where we have people that when you, if you're, uh, you're in certain places, maybe you're on a golf course or maybe you're at your kid's ball game or maybe you're at your workplace or, or you're at a cocktail party or dinner party or wherever you're at and you insert the name Jesus, I mean, it can be pretty polarizing. And I mean, it, 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 can, it can separate the party in a hurry. But you know, I've noticed that most people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with people who claim to love Jesus. I mean, the, the challenge isn't really Jesus himself. I, I think the great challenge is folks that claim to follow Jesus, but they don't really act like Jesus, and therefore, that's what people see. I mean, the, at the end of the day, one of the things we know is this, that the world outside of this room knows how much Jesus is alive and well at Sugar Hill Church based on your life. So based on how you love one another is how the world would see how we see Jesus. So if you're our billboard, how we doing? I know, that's what I thought too. And why not settle who Jesus is, but then also could we determine what Jesus offers? What is it that Jesus offers for you in a new year? And the fact is that in, in our society, we always ask ourselves, even if we don't mean to, what's in it for me? Well, why would I do this? Why should I do that? And I think Jesus gives us, when we understand who he is and we determine what he offers, it seems like a no-brainer to me, but let's make sure that we're clear with that. Because you've got folks in here or watching online that would consider yourself intellectuals, and your, your thought is, I don't want to trust Jesus by blind faith. And let me just stop and say, I don't think Jesus asks you for that. I don't think he asks you to park your brain uh, with blind faith. I believe he wants you to be able to have your own conviction, not what some pastor or priest says. And I believe he wants you to invite him into your life so that you can have a personal explanation of what he means to you. So let's settle who he is, let's determine what Jesus offers, and let's understand why he came to us. Why would Jesus, as the story teaches us, leave heaven, come here to start Christmas, and then die, be buried, resurrected, and go to heaven, why did he come here? Why, what is the purpose in God's story for Jesus to come here? Fourth, let's clarify what we all need. Because we, we all come to the party with something we need. And we, we tend to think that we're all uniquely different. And we are, but we all have some universal needs. And the good news is Jesus has a universal fix, but Jesus also has a very personal relationship in which he wants to fix. And so the last thing then is, what is the one thing that we have to do if this year is to become all we desire it to be? One of the things that I have said for seven years around here is that when somebody asks me, they say, well, Chuck, how should I start reading the Bible? I've never read the Bible. I've never had a Bible. Where should I start and what should I do? And my answer has always been, start in the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and read a chapter a day, and at the end of that chapter, ask yourself two questions. What did Jesus say he was? And number two, what are you going to do about it? 
Read each chapter. So you've got a 21-day reading plan, a chapter of John a day. At the end of each one, who did Jesus claim to be and what will be your response to his claim? And so when you think about that, you say, well, Chuck, that seems like a rather simplistic process. And I would say, yeah, it is. Because you see, the gospel of John has been described best as a pool in which a kid can wade in and an elephant can both swim in. You see, it's, it's incredibly deep because it teaches everything in the faith that I have banked my future and heaven on. And it also is childlike enough that any human can grasp and understand it. Jesus did not come to say to us that I'm only for simple people. He came for you who would claim to be intellectuals as well. But if you're here today and you say, well, I just need it simple, Jesus came with a pretty simple message for you as well. And when we look at this, we begin to understand my personal faith and those of you who've chosen to follow Jesus with an authentic faith would have to say, I need a fresh start because this is what Jesus offers. He offers me a fresh start. Throughout the gospel, the word Jesus is eliminated and defined through his deeds, through his teachings, and through his miracles. But why would Jesus come and how does it connect in the big story of the gospel? Well, here is the strange and wondrous paradox of Jesus' ministry. Our life only lives for all eternity if Jesus, the Savior of the world, dies and conquers death as he raised from that death and now sits by the Father in heaven. You say, well, Chuck, based on that, there's no fresh start. There's no new beginning without settling this big issue, who is Jesus? And I would argue, no matter what your goal is, no matter what your desire is in this year, if you want to, if you desire to become all that God has designed for you to be, you've got to deal with this question. Who is Jesus? Now listen, friend, no one can remain neutral about Jesus the Christ. He precipitates conflict between light and darkness and death and life. When, when you say, well, Chuck, I want to come to church where there's no conflict. Well, uh, you've probably found as close a place as you're going to find until you run into this one word, Jesus. Because you see, as much as he loves you, the conflict happens when here is Chuck, a sinful person. Here is Jesus, a sinless, perfect God. And as we come together, the clash looks like this. I'm in need of what he offers, and he's the only place I can get what I need. I am a sinful person in desperate need of a savior. He is a savior that came for sinful people. And when I begin to understand this, I begin to understand the importance of Jesus and what he called his disciples to be. And you're thinking right now, well, that's those 12 guys. That is true. It is those 12 guys. But it's also every person sitting here today or watching online that has chosen and said you're a follower of Jesus. If you claim to be a Christian, then you are indeed a disciple. The word was to all of us. But Jesus taught his disciples of a new kind of community. Jesus calls his disciples to love one another as Jesus loves them. Now, I get it. That, that is so much easier said than done. I mean, it, it's hard to love those folks, whoever those folks are to you, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to love those folks, but Jesus gave you no out on this. It, it, he didn't say, I, I want to lead you into a community that's just like you. I mean, I want you to imagine, think about everything in your life in the past five years. Does the world need more community like you? Because let me stop and say, if the world had more community in my past five years, the world's in trouble. We, surely there's more than that. Jesus takes the world and he took it as we know it and he turns it right side up. And he gives us his picture of loving unity that will reflect the intimate relationship between father and son that would both call and judge the world. John chapter 1 in this story gives us a picture of the mission for which the son has been given by the father and now given to his disciples. And not just the 12, but all of us. And I believe with all of my heart that if we can settle this first issue, who is Jesus 
If we can settle in this first chapter the issues we find in John, we can set our course to be wildly successful. So it all starts with who Jesus is, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. And John raises the curtain on his gospel with a stunning description of Jesus as the Word, or in the Greek, Logos. Both Greek and Jew, at the time this was written in the first century, would immediately recognize the profound meaning of this title that it came with universal wisdom from on high. So if you, if you were a Greek and you didn't know beans about Christ or the Jewish faith, if you were Jew or Gentile, if you were shepherd or intellectual, no matter where you were on the scale, Jesus steps into history. And in the day that Jesus lived and walked, the word of God took on creative personal attributes to every part of the class system where he met everyone's need. In John's story, Jesus shares the same essence as God himself. You've heard of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, creator and sustainer of all life. God the Son, Jesus, who came and gave his life that we might have life. And God the Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus leaves for us. Jesus, you see, the divine wisdom that has assisted and existed from before time with God can now be known personally for you and me in the presence of Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the God that you can know. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Now, I want you to do something for me while this is up there. And as you read this, in the beginning, the word, I want you to read it with me this time and say, in the beginning, Jesus. Are you ready? In the beginning, Jesus. Already existed. Keep going. And every time you see word, insert Jesus. The Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus and nothing was created except through Jesus. Then Jesus gave life to everything that was created and Jesus brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never be, can extinguish it. Now watch this. The statement here is that Jesus has always been and Jesus will always be. The statement here is that Jesus fully God at the creation of man was there and Jesus fully God at the end of the world is there. So we have to reconcile, then who is this Jesus? And John says in his gospel that Jesus is God. Now, this is a big deal because there are a lot of faiths out there that will tell you Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a rabbi. But John says, and this is the hallmark, and this is the cornerstone of our faith, that Jesus is God. That the only way he could be the savior of the world were to be God. Now you say, well, I don't understand how that works, all right? Well, if you have an apple, then you have a core, you have the meat, and you have the skin, right? But how many apples do you have? You have one apple. In, in God, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have three parts, one God. But that God looked upon his creation with great love and said to you and me, in this messed up sin-filled life, I love you so much, a part of me is going to come and wrap human skin around me, be born into that little stable in Bethlehem, live sinlessly, perfectly, die for your sins on an old wooden cross, be buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days raised from that tomb so that he could go sit by the Father in heaven and create a home for all of you who would believe. Now that, my friend, is the gospel of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now, it didn't happen all easily because Jesus was both rejected and received. Look down in verse 10. He, Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. This is deep water that John points us to. It's deep enough to find the truth 
that many of us don't recognize in Jesus, and that is this. Jesus came wrapped in human skin, but fully God. Jesus, as he left heaven, never surrendered his deity, but he came yet to be fully man to experience every temptation you and I would. And you would say, but Chuck, Jesus never had to deal with the internet. Well, this is the great thing about Jesus. He is as current and as relevant today and further ahead of any technology you may know of right now or what will come. And he has been around so long that his wisdom will overcome anything because he's experienced and aware of all you need from when it was to where it is to where it will be. Amen. And this is, his, this is his gospel. This is his story. And you say, well, Chuck, all of that's really good but when he says in there we have now the right to become children of God I thought that we all just kind of wound up at the top of the mountain all together and we all came from different paths I mean let's face it Chuck I mean I've listened to enough folks where I believe that we're all going to get there sooner or later we're going to arrive at the same place so let me just stop and say you don't really believe that do you I mean, seriously, I, I mean, when I stop and I think about that, I think, listen, God, did ne God never asked you to park your brain when you came to church. I mean, I, I don't care what preacher told you how you ought to think. If that preacher was there to tell you what to think, he was there doing his job improperly. My job's not to tell you what to think. My job is to beg you to think, to be able to look at what Jesus claimed to be and say, what does it mean to me? But the concept that we can all be whatever we want, wherever we want to be, with whomever we want to be, and wind up at the same place seems ludicrous to me. Especially when Jesus comes along and says, hey, I've got the simplest route for you because I've already done all the climbing. You see, Jesus is incredibly exclusive, y'all. He said, I'm the only way. But now watch this, he's incredibly inclusive. Because he said, this way is available for all of you. Everybody can come this way. You say, yeah, but Chuck, not those people. Well, there we are with those people again. But Chuck, I, I, there's no way those people are going to my heaven, are they? Well, let me just say to you that they're one prayer away from being your eternal neighbor. Get used to it. Right? So I encourage you. When Jesus says that we become children of God, what he's saying to us is, is abundantly clear. That apart from him, we are created by God, but only through him do we become children of God. You see, God wants to adopt you into his family, and he wants to give you the full right of blood children. He wants to give you every good and pleasant thing he has for you. And he wants you to have that. And I want you to know that he says you can have it. Not because of something you've done. Not because of how much money you've given. Not because of a mission trip you've gone on. Or how many years you've come to church. It is simply because you understand who Jesus is and what he offers you. Jenny and I went to a, a funeral of a friend yesterday. She told me the story of a friend that uh, she was sitting with, and this lady one time got all fired up about a political conversation, and she said, you know what I can't stand? I can't stand those born-again people. And you'd have to appreciate Jenny's humor. She just started laughing, looked at her, and said, you're one of them. <laughs> and she said, what? She said, have you ever said that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? And you You've given him your life. Well, yeah, well, you've been born again. No, no, I'm not one of them. You see, in America, we took the term born again and we turned it into, we turned it into a political party. Listen to me, friend. Jesus didn't ride on a donkey or an elephant. And by the way, he didn't give a hoot about a wall. Let me tell you something. Jesus, Jesus is here for you, not for your cause. Jesus is here for your heart not for your vote. Jesus is here for you, not for your money. Jesus came and died and rose from the dead for you, not for your political belief. And being born again is not a party. Y'all are a lot more fun at 930, man. Those are uptight people. 
You see, he will accept us as reborn or born again, now children of God. Every goal, every resolution, every hope, dream or wish first launches itself in this question, what does Jesus offer me? And in verse 14, it tells us that the word became flesh and Jesus became flesh. So the word, so Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. That John he's talking about is a different John. John the gospel writer is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist came before Jesus to tell people the way. What John the Baptist is best known is for this one statement. He made this statement. The world needs less and less of us, and we need more and more of him. Not more of John, more of Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said of John? That's the greatest man that's ever been born. Hey, guys, how'd you like to put that on your resume in 2019? Jesus said, I'm the greatest guy that's ever been born. That ain't bad, is it? You know what precipitated it? John's ability from his heart to say, the world doesn't need more of me. The world needs more of Jesus. This church doesn't need more me. This church needs more Jesus. This community doesn't need more of you. This church needs more Jesus. Your job, your marriage, your kids, they don't need more books, more education. They need more Jesus. They need an injection of the Lord himself. And you say, but Chuck, that sounds so simple. Well, here is God's greatest surprise. John makes a bold, big-time declaration that says, God became flesh. He became one of us. The word that was, the word that was with God, and the word that was God, that word has become flesh. And we know him as Jesus the Christ. Salvation didn't come through any other means. John answers the Greek intellectuals boldly, and the word became flesh. In the act of incarnation, leaving the deity seat of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son left that seat of deity and entered into humanity while never surrendering his deity and yet living to face every temptation we could face or ever would face and has from his time until the end of this world. No longer can we divide sacred from secular for Jesus came to wash over all of it. This is why an authentic Life with Christ is not where you have a church life and a work life and a family life and then a fun life. It's where you have a life where Jesus is at the center and the cornerstone of all things. And can I assure you, Jesus wants you to have a blast. Jesus wants you to have fun. Jesus wants you to come to church and laugh. Jesus does not want you to be a weirdo. Jesus wants you to love God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, love others the way you love yourself, and let everything else fall underneath that. But you say, well, Chuck, I've been going to church since 1934. And this is how we do it. Okay. But if it's not inclusive of Jesus, offers you salvation only in him and it is free for the asking because you can't earn it, then it is not the story of the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Friend, listen, in becoming flesh, the word did not cease to be God. No conditions. God never said, I'll tell you what, give up that addiction, then come deal with me. You say, well, Chuck, you know what I mean? I, Jesus never said, when you get done with porn, you can come to me. He said, you bring all that stuff with you. You said, well, that'd be so embarrassing. He's already there with you. There's no place the scripture says you can hide from him. He said, well, that's, Chuck, that's embarrassing. That's kind of personal. I know. This is a very personal God who's come to be all in your space and to be all with you. And don't think Jesus came to get your hind parts out of trouble. Jesus came to get in trouble with you and to walk you through it. You see, Jesus is all we need and all we'll ever need. 
This church exists not because of a denomination. This church exists not because of some pastor. This church doesn't exist because of deacons. This church is here this morning because Jesus is all this church needs. This church doesn't need more of me and it doesn't need more of you. It just needs more of Jesus. You say, well, Chuck, we got to make sure that happens, okay? Then you worry about you and you let Jesus worry about everybody else. But Chuck, I'd rather point somebody else out. But that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. It, Jesus wants to deal with you first. And by the way, you know, all those rules that fall underneath love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love others as you love yourself, all those rules that Jesus say hung underneath that, all of the Mosaic laws, some 600 of them, and then every other rule that modern-day church has layered on top of it, Jesus came along and said, wash all that junk away. You can't be good enough for this gospel of mine. You can't act right enough for this gospel of mine. And anybody in any church that wants to layer that gospel with their rules is both extra biblical and unbiblical because the only thing you need is Jesus and Jesus himself, period. Done. That's about a half-hearted clap right there. Listen to how we know that Jesus is all we'll ever need. In verse 16, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I love these verses. It is the beating of my heart and why we made it through, babe, 2018. I have had seasons in this past year where I thought I am just so over trying to live for God. I am so over trying to pastor a church. I am so over being critiqued of everything I say. I have had seasons in this past year where I thought I am so sick of it, I just want to go build houses again. It was a lot easier to deal with subs and homeowners and warranties than it was church. You ever been there? Is that not a horrible thing for a church, church pastor to admit? But I'm telling you, I was there. I've been there. I was ready for a new year. You know why? All that stuff, Jesus comes along the wife's way and says, listen, Chuck, everything that hangs under this doesn't matter. Get rid of it. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love others as you love yourself because this is how we do my work. You say, well, Chuck, I, I'm looking to make better choices. Jesus is all you need. I'm, I'm desiring freedom and balance. Jesus is all you need. You don't need a better religion. You don't need another priest. You don't need a better pastor. You don't need a denomination. You need a savior. And Jesus offers you life in abundance and wants to shower his blessings on you. And he wants to give you every good and righteous thing. Can you imagine trying to keep up with 600 church rules? I feel like the church I grew up in had at least that many, maybe eight or 900. I broke all of them. I've broken every rule I know to break in a church. I've done most of them while I'm your pastor. And in the middle of all this, what I know is this, dude, I can't even keep my calendar straight, much less 600 rules, but I can do this. I can learn to love the Lord my God with all my heart and mind and my soul. Why? He has never left me. Through the middle of all the junk of the past year, he was there. How did we get through it? He pulled us through it. How did I know that? Because sometimes he pushed me through it. How did I know that? He took his staff and he... he lovingly drug me where I needed to be. And sometimes he took his stick and he prodded me where I needed to go. And here we are. And you know what I'm trusting in? I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my mind, and soul. You know why? Because he said when you do that, it's so much easier to love people. By the way, he, he didn't give us any pass on this. He, he, he didn't give us any, anywhere in here where he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a church that looks just like you who believes just like you, who talks just like you, who dresses just like you. And listen, friend, Jesus never put a condition on love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and other people. He put no condition on it and he gave you no out. It is for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every race, every color, every belief, every faith system. Our job is to love. Let God do the judging. Let Jesus do the forgiving. Let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. And let us love and serve. Period. Done. Over. That's our job. That's our job. 
Well, but, but Chuck, wait a minute. Are you saying to me that Jesus came along and gave us a new rule and wiped away those other ones? Yes. Well, then should I, should I listen to the Old Testament? Yes. The Old Testament is divinely inspired, but Jesus came along in time and said, my rules trump those rules, but there's so much wisdom there, learn from it. Because I'll promise you, when you begin to understand and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, you'll find Jesus from Genesis through the book of the Revelation. You'll find him everywhere because he's been there from the beginning and he will be there in the end. Jesus is enough and he's enough for you. But then you say, but Chuck, I'm an action kind of person. I, I don't want to just have faith. I want to do something. I, what do I do? Well, that's a good question. And if you skipped over a couple of chapters to John 3, the, John tells us a story about a guy by the name of Nicodemus, a religious leader. And look what he says in John 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. I didn't mean to say that like I was disgusted with it. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Amen. Born again, the phrase is a fresh start, not a political party. I cannot say this enough. I know in a world today for you to say I'm a born again Christian paints you with a brush many of you don't want to be painted with. Now, I understand there are plenty of in here that are, you want to get painted with that brush. And what I knock yourself out. But the brush that I believe Jesus intended when he says we must be born again is this one thing. You don't need an aisle. You don't need a church membership. You don't need a magic prayer. You need to call on the name of the Lord. Jesus himself laid this out for us. When we call on the name of Jesus, he is faithful to hear us and answer us. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't know how to do the calling on the Lord. It sounds just like this. Jesus, I want you. Would you forgive me? Because I know you came for me. I want to live for you. I'm tired of living for me. It's not working out. And I want to thank you that you came, you died, you rose from the grave, and you're creating a home in heaven because I'm believing in you right now. And you say, but Chuck, don't I have to do something after that? Not according to the Scripture. According to the Scripture, when you say that and mean it in your heart, because everything that matters is a matter of your heart. Everything Jesus teaches, everything you read in his story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of the Gospels is always a matter of your heart. Jesus is concerned about your heart. This is what Jesus is saying, born again, a fresh start. Nicodemus is baffled and as confused as he is. This is not what he expected. How can somebody do this when he's a grown man? And Jesus has given us a picture that born again, this fresh start is exactly what every human can do. You say, but Chuck, but I'm 80. I know, born again. But Chuck, I'm 18. I know, born again. I had a young kid sitting on the front row at 930. He looked like he's probably about 16 years old. I got done with this and I said, hey, you want to give your life to Christ? Dude, pop right up and said, yes. And I thought to myself, now that kid got it. There's every reason in the world for some kid 15, 16 years old not to stand up in front of a room full of people. And you know what he said? No, I want that. I want, give me that. I want a fresh start. You see, we see all this like Nicodemus through an earthly perspective. We just need a fresh start. But see, that is the question, isn't it? But it comes with a part A and a part B. I mean, the question is, haven't I been good enough to deserve heaven? Or haven't I been too bad for heaven? And the answer to both of these are, no, you haven't been good enough for heaven. And no, you haven't been too bad for heaven. You mean, Chuck, that I could be sitting next to somebody in heaven who today is a, a Muslim terrorist, but gives his life to Christ tomorrow, and we're going to have to picnic together in eternity? <laughs> yeah. Well, Chuck, that doesn't sound fair. I know. Because it was fair, you don't deserve it either. So somewhere in here, 
we have to look at this and know, no, we haven't been good enough. And no, I haven't been too bad. This new birth is not intensified continuation of an old way. It's not behavior modification where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to quit smoking because I love Jesus today. Well, can I just tell you, you can love Jesus all you want, but you're probably going to crave nicotine tomorrow. All right? Je Jesus didn't say, park your brain and become stupid when you follow me. Jesus said, come follow me. I've done the hard work. Now I want you to grow in me. I want you to become more like me. I want you to know those things about me. Jesus never said, come on along, it's going to be the simplest ride you've ever been in your life. I mean, Jesus came along to, to go through all of it with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life with no condition. The fresh start is all about Jesus. You say, well, Chuck, okay, that... Well, who is Jesus? He is God himself. Well, what does he offer? Forgiveness and power, freedom, hope, heaven. What did Jesus come here to do to reconcile and pay for our sin and selfishness? But what do I need? I need the royal blessings of Jesus and all that he offers. How do I get it? By choosing to be born again. How do I get born again? By calling on the name of the Lord. How do I call on the name of the Lord? It sounds just like this. Jesus, I want you. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it all but I want you. I believe you came here for me. I believe you offer a home for me in heaven. I think you died for me even though I don't get it. I know you rose for me and I don't get it. How you did all that and hung around for 40 days and went back to heaven, I have no idea, but I want that. I want you to forgive me and I want to live for you. Thank you for doing that. And you say, well, Chuck, I can do that. Do I have to say all that? No. What you can say in your heart right now is, you know what Chuck said, God, count me in on that. And so let's get it all real up in here right now. So if that's the desire of your heart right now, I ain't playing. Just stand up. If that's what you want in your life right now, stand up. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all stay standing for a minute. I want to thank y'all. That's, that's courageous stuff right there. Jesus, he didn't crawl in a closet and die for you. He died on the city square, man. And he said, if you'll, if you'll claim me before men, I'll claim you before the Father. And I'll promise you, heaven rejoices in you today. Thank you. You can have a seat. I have folks that say to me all the time, you know, Chuck, our church just doesn't do a good job with that. We... We need to go capture their name, and we need to follow up with them, and we need a new Christian's class, and we need to blah, 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 blah. If you just stood, I trust that the God you just invited in your life will direct you toward believer's baptism when he wants you and when he calls you and you choose to be obedient. And if you choose to join this church or another Bible-believing church, I will trust that same God to deliver you in his way. But if I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. And it's not about what I believe. It is about the presence of Jesus in your life. And I am so happy for you. How many of you in here today would say, I know, Chuck, I know I'm born again. I know I'm an authentic follower of Jesus the Christ. Just raise your hand. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. Now, I want you to leave it up if you'd say, and Chuck, I'm living for him right now. In all my ways, I'm living for him. If not, put your hand down. Well, how about that? We got some work to do, don't we? And if you're here today and you'd say, Chuck, I don't want to be a part of a church this year. It's full of hypocrites. I'm sorry. We're full of them. I'm one of them. So are you. Man, we are messed up people living in a messed up world. And I'll promise you this is a messed up church. But we have one hope that we have staked our claim on, and he is the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the one that came in a little bitty manger, but he is the one that will return. And when he does, he will call home his church because he has given us his life. He has given it to us and shed his blood that we might have forgiveness of our sins. He has been buried, and he has risen from the grave, and he is sitting by the right hand of the Father to create a home for all who would believe 
believe in him. And we have staked our very future of heaven and hope on that gospel of Jesus the Christ. My friend, this week I invite you, every weekday, get in on that 21-day reading plan of John's gospel. Listen to that weekday podcast. Get scripture in your soul five minutes a day, five days a week. Get into that new tool this week, weekday meditation, guided prayer in a time where you can get focused on the Lord. And whatever you do, get a fresh start this year. You can do that because he promised that you could. Have you settled who Jesus is? And will you act on what you must do? Let's pray. God, I want to thank you that your word is clear enough for a baby and centered enough for the most brilliant person of academia. God, whether we hold no education or, or, or more degrees than a thermometer, Lord, I'm grateful that you came for us and you are all we need. And we praise you in that in Jesus' name. Amen. We got to take up an offering. Y'all come on. And uh, if you're new around here, please don't, don't let me scare you off. I don't usually preach this long. But, man, I got loaded up this past week. I told Zach, drop a song. I'm getting all fired up. And, uh, but I thank you. If you filled out one of those guest cards, would you drop it in the basket? Or you're welcome to bring it over and, and meet me and some of our pastors and team at the meet and greet. Y'all go ahead and start passing these baskets. Listen, y'all were so faithful as we wrapped up the year. Would you continue that? I'll promise you when you give here, you're, you're giving to a ministry in 11 public schools this next week. Uh, you're, you're giving to a student ministry that every Wednesday night will put 280, 300 kids here of just all kinds of different beliefs and thoughts and faith systems and sharing that Jesus loves you. You're giving to a kids ministry that's teaching our kids scripture and the authenticity of God and how to love him. You're given to adults being a part of all this different ministry. You're given to ministry in Kenya and Haiti and you're given to ministry over at Path Project and man, it's just I'm so grateful. Thank you for all you do. So I want to invite you now as the band begins to sing, just start making your way to the table and pick your word. The minute you've, the minute you've got your word down, man, start singing with us. Bring it back with you. Put it someplace where you have to see it. If you'd be so kind to take a picture of it, put it on social media, tag me with it on everything. I'm just at A Chuck Allen, the letter A, and then Chuck Allen. You can just tag the church if you want to, at Sugar Hill Church. Let people know what your word is. You can come on around the backside of the table. You don't have to wait. Man, look at y'all getting all serious about Jesus here. Man, this is good. Y'all scooch in, let people get around you. Look at y'all. Let's start that old hymn, Zach. Come now, fountain, every blessing to my heart. Man, I love this old song. Sing thy grace, streams of mercy, never ceasing. Yeah. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some
fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved and let him come behind you and bend over and let you jump on his back so he can carry you through those days that are dark and difficult and not around your problem but through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so that eyeball to eyeball, you can hear and see your Savior say, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.